We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, November the 5th, 2019. On today's show, former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath joins me as he does each and every Tuesday to break down South Carolina's 24-7 win over the Vanderbilt Commodores. We talk about everything from his initial reactions to Ryan Holinsky, Brian Edwards, the improved play of the defense, the updated bowl picture and outlook for the 2019 season, and much, much more. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast brought to you by our friends over at Ag South Farm Credit. Ag South Farm Credit. Listen, guys, most lenders they don't understand land financing. Ag South Farm Credit specializes in land financing and has been doing so for over 100 years. They do everything. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland, farm and pasture land, even home mortgages and construction benefits these guys there's so many benefits of going with ag south farm credit they've actually got long-term fixed rate finance financing up to 20 years down payments are as low as 15 percent guys if you're like us if you're in the age range we are right now really you're anyone that's looking to buy land or make that next step these type of details are going to be really, really important. I know me personally, we're getting, I'm getting to that stage of life, wanting to get out in the country a little bit, get some land, kind of build a house, do that whole shebang, if you will. And these guys are the best to go with in the business by far. They got competitive rates and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year as what they call patronage. So they're cooperative. They share in their profits with their member borrowers. So for example, on a $300,000 loan at 6.5% for 20 years, you'd get back $2,770 each year. They're literally giving money back to you. Now, some people ask me, why are land loan rates higher than mortgages? Really getting in the weeds, getting in the details. So rates are higher on land loans because they have higher risk than home mortgages. That makes sense, right? Variables like land quality, accessibility, location, if it has amenities or not, it can make the land more or less risky to lend on. Also, the better your financial situation, the better your rate will be. Axel Farm Credit's got all the information you need. They're going to take care of everything for you, and it's by far the best option if you are looking to get land in the state of South Carolina or anything else really like I mentioned earlier call 844-AG-SOUTH that's 844-AG-SOUTH or visit agsouthfc.com slash TSUS again that's A-G-S-O-U-T-H-F-C dot com slash TSUS AgSouth is an equal housing lender NMLS 619788 guys be sure to give them a call again that's 844-AG-SOUTH or visit agsouthfc.com slash TSUS and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you 
The show is also brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped. You guys, when we talk about them a lot, Manscaped, number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family. Jules, guys, don't go another day without this stuff. Don't go another day without Manscaped. Take it from me, someone who's using these products day in and day out on the daily. It has changed the game for me and made such a difference. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so the trimmer will not nick or snag your nuts. Guys, I know that's hard to believe, right? We've all used electric trimmers or whatever trimmer you're using. It's a pain. It's the worst. You always cut yourself. You always nick yourself, it seems like, no matter how hard you try. And if you don't, you probably don't get everywhere. You miss a spot, and you don't really do a good job. With Manscaped, Manscaped me accidents are a thing of the past. And, guys, make sure to don't use you don't use the same trimmer you're using on your nuts as you do on your face. That, that's disgusting. Don't, don't do that. Don't mix and match there. Go with Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code GAMECOX. You're going to get 20% off plus free shipping. You've really got no excuse not to buy this stuff. Manscaped's also got the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Listen, you already put deodorant on your armpits, right? Why not put it on the smelliest part of your body? You guys heard me talk about before. They've got the Crop Cleanser as well, which is a ball-slash-body wash that smells fantastic. All of their products smell amazing. It's going to be a game changer and make a difference for you in your daily routine. I mean, there's no doubt you're going to get the stuff. You're going to go to manscaped.com. You're going to use the promo code GAMECOX. You're going to get that 20% off, that free shipping. You're going to get that package in the mail, and it's going to become seamlessly become a part of your daily routine. There is absolutely no questions asked in that regard. Again, that's manscaped.com. Use the promo code GAMECOX. Get 20% off. Get free shipping just in time for the holidays. Black Friday coming up. The holidays are coming up. Whoever that special person is, and fellas, why not spoil yourself? Why not splurging yourself a little bit? I know you're probably getting your girl something. You're getting your wife, your girlfriend Maybe that special someone, whoever it is, you're getting her a gift. Hey, let her know about this Manscaped promotion or get it for yourself, like I mentioned, splurging yourself, and make the missus happy in the process. Why not? It makes sense. So, again, that's manscaped.com. Use the promo code GAMECOX. You're going to get 20% off plus free shipping. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you later. All right, let's get into it. your host of the Spurs Up show as always. Welcome back. Joining me today as he does every single Tuesday. He played for Gamecocks football from 2005 to 2008. Former South Carolina Gamecocks tight end Alex McGrath. Alex, appreciate you taking the time, man. First off, how was your weekend? Um, I know you you obviously were busy watching the game, stuff like that, but how was your weekend overall? That was good, man. It was good. Down at a little bachelor party down at St. Simon's Island and, you know, managed, managed to catch the entire first half and miss a little bit of the third quarter, but managed to get most of it in at a, at a crowded bar after halftime. So we, had a good, we had a good old time. And, uh, and, of course, you know, we surrounded by throngs of celebratory Georgia fans, which is always fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I remember you telling me being down at St. Simon's, I, I can imagine the uh, – that was crazy, especially for Georgia, Florida. But uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, Gamecocks get the twenty-four to seven win um, in a game that was really interesting. And I was in the building, Alex, and I talked about on the show that you know Monday's show that it had a really 
strange feeling to me. Um, you know, we talked a little bit off air. This game felt to me like a carbon copy of the Kentucky game in the sense that, you know, I don't think it was ever in doubt that South Carolina was the better football team. I don't think that was ever in question. South Carolina was better. The roster's better top to bottom. They have more playmakers. Um, it also hurt Vanderbilt. Their starting quarterback was declared out before the game, but South Carolina missing Shai Smith as well. But the Gamecocks, without a doubt, the better football team. But, you know, when you take a look at this game, I mean, what are your overall reactions? Because, again, being in the building, in my opinion, it was a good win. It was a win you had to have. You know, you're trying to hit that six number and get to a bowl game. But I don't think there's anything you can really draw from this game and say, we learned X about this team or we learned Y about this team. And I think anyone trying to make any sort of proclamation after this game is sort of foolish because we've seen already in 2019 just how up and down, how inconsistent this team can be. But what were your overall reactions from South Carolina getting the, uh, the 24-7 win Saturday? Well, I mean, you know, kind of off the bat, it, it, I, I feel today exactly like I felt after the Kentucky game. You know, we beat a team that was borderline incompetent at the quarterback position. I mean, like, truthfully, like, you probably could have played quarterback on Saturday for Vanderbilt, and the outcome would have been any different. So, you know, the, the starter's out before the game starts. The second guy gets knocked out after throwing two picks, and then, you know, you got a third-teamer in there. So they're unable to move the ball, you know, incredibly similar to, you know, the Kentucky situation where, you know, you got a backup in there that is struggling really – really hard and you know it's it's tough to make a defensive assessment for us just because you know our opponent is struggling with the forward pass so you know that that aside you know it was we covered <laughs> so I guess there's something to be said there um and then you know we beat a team we should have beaten so I mean on those two points you know it's a positive outcome but I don't know that we necessarily learned anything from what we saw this weekend. Yeah, and I don't think it's taking anything in a, taking anything away from the guys necessarily, but again, it just – the whole day, Alex, again, just being there, it had a strange vibe to it. And I'll be honest, I think Vanderbilt scoring first really just deflated the entire stadium. I mean, I, I you know, the crowd was solid. It was okay, but it wasn't a packed house. Um, but I thought it really deflated the crowd. And the rest of the game, for me at least, I mean, I, I just didn't even get that fired up. It was more so like – Okay, we, we should win. Like, I mean, this is like, we, we should win this game. Like, no questions asked. I mean, 14 to seven at half, even you felt, you really felt uneasy as a South Carolina fan, you know, until you got to the fourth quarter, which I mean, you're going 14 seven ball game going to the fourth quarter. Not exactly what I would have called for during the week when I was predicting this football game. But either way, again, don't take anything away. And I know a lot of fans say, well, South Carolina scored, could have scored 50. You know, there were a couple fourth and shorts or what they didn't get or, didn't kick field goals or didn't get touchdowns. And, I mean, that's great and all, but they didn't. So, anyway, either way, yeah. you get the win. You get a win you had to have. And, like I said, it's not taking anything away from the guys. But, I mean, this was a team you should have beat. Like, you were a 17-point favorite at home and homecoming. You know, you did really what you were supposed to do. I, I want to get into, Alex, just a couple of individual performances because, obviously, a couple of guys stood out. I know a guy we're going to talk about every single week is the quarterback play, and that is Ryan Holinsky. His stats, obviously – Looked very good, 24-31, 235, two touchdowns, no picks. I think, Ryan, I don't want to jinx him, so knock on wood here, but I think he's like 15 passes away if he can go without throwing an interception for breaking the record. 
most consecutive passes without a pick. So, I mean, the one thing he's doing right now, I think, Alex, is protecting the football. But I heard a lot last week leading in that game. They were going to integrate a lot more screen passes, a lot more short passes, a lot more higher percentage throws. And it looked like to me that they definitely did that. What was your take on just oh, yeah. his, no, his play was... and the offensive approach, I guess, for Helensky? Well, yeah. No, I mean, that's it, 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 exactly what we talked about was two weeks ago where you just got to get those like short intermediate throws mm-hmm. buttoned up to build confidence. And that's 100% what they did, and it was effective. And, you know, Brian Edwards had himself a day for what feels like the ninth time this season. So I'm glad they were <laughs> – getting him the ball in those situations. Uh, it, was, it was the perfect thing for them to do because it gets Ryan comfortable. You put the hand, you put the ball in the hands of the best playmaker on the team and you let him go to work. And if you see a matchup and, you know, typically who he's going to get on the outside there, that's what you need to be doing. For sure. Do you think it's something where – because, again, I, I agree with you. And, I mean, I, I like the idea of – first off, thank goodness South Carolina has Brian Edwards. We're going to talk about him in just a second. But, you know – I'm kind of torn on it because I'd love to see Ryan throw it down the field, you know, see South Carolina just period, throw it down the field more. I think the longest throw of the night was the uh, the 20 yard touchdown pass to Xavier Leggett. I yeah. believe that was probably the longest throw of the night, but I'm torn because, you know, I'd like to see Ryan throw it down the field more because we all know he's got that arm talent, but at the same time, I mean, this is a guy who is a true freshman. And I think, I mean, I do like the fact of building confidence up and I have to believe, that South Carolina is going to stretch the field vertically more so in the upcoming games against a little bit better competition, especially when you start talking about on the road at A&M, Clemson. Like, you're not just going to be able to throw screens all game, as great as that seems. But, um, I mean, do you think this is something that it feels more of like a a one-game type thing where they're just trying to get his confidence back up? Or do you expect them to start going on the field more? Do you think this is something where the offensive identity is going to be, we just want to pound the football you know, don't ask Ryan to make any tough throws. You know, just get it in your playmaker's hands. Because, like I said, I, I think that's a good strategy to mix in, but it kind of makes me nervous as far as, like, I don't think you can make that your your primary passing game of just throwing the ball, you know, no farther than five yards past the line of scrimmage. It's going to be very tough against a really good defense to move the ball that way through the year. No, I 100% agree with you. And truthfully, you know, kind of looking at what you're saying there, just, to look at, okay, you know, we need to build confidence with these short intermediate throws. We need to get that ball in the hands of the best playmakers we got on the team. And you were successful doing that. And, you know, again, you know, it's going to make his stats look better. It's going to give him more confidence. But at the same time, like, when you're playing somebody like Vanderbilt, who you know doesn't have an offensive pulse at all, especially in this situation where you're just, you know, you're, you have a third-team quarterback in there. You don't know what you're going to get. And, you know, the, like, truthfully, like, I would have liked to have seen them take those shots down the field. Like, especially, like, you know, you're up 17-7. They can't move the ball. Let's, let's go ahead and take some shots. Like, you know, kind of push the gas down go finish this. Let's see if we can hit some things. Because to your point, like, you know, the teams that you got coming up the next three weeks, you're not going to be able to live on short and intermediate throws all day. I mean, they're, got they're, they're better – they're better than Vanderbilt. I don't think that's a bold take at all. They're all three of them much yeah, ooh, better than no, Vanderbilt. No, no, And, you know, those guys, they can have guys they – have, they have people on the outside that are athletic enough to sit down on those routes and then also chase the receivers down the field. So that's not going to be there. So, you know, you're going to have to take those shots down the field and hope that your guys can go win some one-on-one balls, mm. which has not been a strength of ours this year. So, you know, doing that against a Vandy or, you know, even potentially an App State – 
like you can get yourself in control of that game is that would be the way I would try to call that out there. But, you know, I, I dare to speculate <laughs> on the uh, philosophy we'll come out with next week. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I think it's something where, and I think this played a big part in it too, was shy Smith not being available. And I mean, Let's just call it for what it is. The Gamecocks mm-hmm. wide receiver core, in my opinion, has been very subpar past Brian Edwards and Shai Smith. I mean, you hope a guy like Xavier Leggett, and maybe that was the beginning of him breaking out as a true freshman. But, you know, I'll be honest, Alex, I thought the same thing about Ortre Smith two years ago, and I don't really know what has happened to Ortre Smith. I mean, I know he suffered a knee injury, but he's a guy that's barely playing now. They say he's healthy. It's hard for me to believe. Josh Van who has been super inconsistent. He's now out for the rest of the season either way with a broken hand. So um, you lose Nick Muse as well to a torn ACL, and I know he was a big part of the passing game. So I, I agree with you in the sense – I'm just – I don't see any way they're not going to try to stretch it out more. I don't know if that was a – you know, you go game by game. We're obviously not in the offensive meeting rooms, but you go game by game and you look for the matchups, and maybe that was the matchup in that game. But, you know, certainly you're going to have to stretch the football – more so down the field. And I think they will because Ryan's got that capability, but you have to hope they can get a guy like Shy Smith back and maybe a guy like Xavier Leggett more involved to stretch the ball vertically. The, the one guy, obviously, that had a huge day, Brian Edwards, 14 catches, which ties a school record, 139 yards, one touchdown on the day, had the 25-yard touchdown. I, I want to ask you, um, Alex, because this is going to be more so a question from your playing days and from South Carolina wide receivers you've seen, because obviously he's already broken the receptions record set by Kenny McKinley, who is your teammate. Um, He's on pace to break every record, yards, touchdowns, everything. When you take a look at Brian Edwards, you know, obviously not Kenny McKinley, but who does he remind you of most um, from the South Carolina receivers you've seen? Because, again, I know like a guy like Sidney Rice was your teammate as well, and I think I can see their games being kind of similar. Alshon Jeffrey, I mean – you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and make the proclamation that Brian Edwards is the best receiver. Anyone listening, can you can kind of decide on your own. But he's certainly up there in that conversation, top two or three or four guys that has ever played at South Carolina. Where, I mean, where does he rank for you? And I guess who does he remind you of most of guys that you've seen wear a Carolina uniform? Oh, that's a really, really good question. Um because the difference, like the difference between him and like a Sydney or Alshon, and I could be, I'm trying to look it up right now, but I could be wildly wrong on this. He's not, he's not tall like they are, right? He's, I mean, he's six foot oh, he's three, six. I think. I mean, he's, he's not, three. he's not quite, I wouldn't say he's quite as big as them, but he's pretty dang close. I mean, he's a big bodied guy. Yeah, a, no question. He's a big body wide. <laughs> Yeah, and and really, from a style standpoint, like you know, Alshon and Sydney were, you know, you, you throw anything in their general direction, they're going to come down with it. And you know, he's very very similar in that regard, where he's different from kind of where their game was. You know, and this is probably just an offensive philosophy thing, but just you know, when we got you know kind of into that twenty and in range, you, you were going to throw a jump ball to the corner to one of those guys, and that's not something we do a ton of. Right. with him <clears throat> so you know from a comparative standpoint oh that's a good question i was um, gonna say it, it is tough to compare because like you don't see south carolina throw the three-step drop fade route like like they used to under spur i mean it's just not a that doesn't feel like it's a major major part of the offense i don't really know that brian 
gets as many opportunities to make those type of circus catches, especially because I mean, those are the ones that stand out with Sydney and Alshon. I mean, I think of Sydney in the 2005 Florida game where he basically has his back turn to the ball and whips his head around and makes this insane catch. And then obviously Alshon in the Alabama game, that one handed catch. So I'm not sure. I mean, obviously Brian had the catch at Tennessee, which is, I mean, maybe dwarfs both of those. I mean, it's one of the best catches I've ever seen in a football game, but, uh, no, I certainly think he ranks up there, and I think uh, maybe Brian I mean, you know doesn't. What? Actually, he's he's actually I, I, okay. He's I, truthfully, I mean, like because he's fast, so I, I mean, he's just like a more consistent version of Debo, right? But bigger, I think is what that's yeah, 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 bigger and a more consistent version of Debo. I think it's probably the best comparison you can make because you know, <laughs> to your point, for whatever reason, we've chosen to take that play out of the playbook, so. You know, there's you just have a very different feel for what he's capable of. Right. No, for sure. So let's move to the defensive side of the ball, Alex, because you know it's funny. It's like becoming a tale as old as time at this point. Where early in the game, I make a a <clears throat> slight uh, observation or a criticism of the secondary, and social media loses its mind. But thankfully, the Gamecocks defense was able to bounce back after that tough first drive. Um, you have two picks on the day, you know, TJ Brunson and RJ Roderick, both with an interception. You hold Vanderbilt to less than a hundred yards passing held him, I think to under 200 yards total, if I'm not mistaken. But when you take a look at this defense, you know, I, I was really impressed with, uh, you know, on the defensive front, DJ Wanham and Aaron Sterling, two guys are just playing havoc in the backfield right now for quarterbacks. And I think overall it was a solid performance by the defense and a unit that, you know, it's so funny, Alex. I talked about my best bet. I had the over in this game. So, obviously, I have no clue what's going on in regards to the <laughs> South Carolina defense. But uh, w- what did you see from the defense on Saturday night? Would you say it was more – was it – I mean, just being just being completely honest, was it more improvements from South Carolina or was it more so the fact that Vanderbilt is just that inept offensively? I think it was ineptus on offense. I mean, you can't even really make a good – it's not even a good litmus test because you don't you're playing against somebody who didn't even expect to play quarterback. So like you don't know what they're going to run out there. You don't know what sets they had to carve off of there because they don't know what he's capable of. You know, so you know, I mean, you know, outside of that, you know, first touchdown drive they had, I mean, they didn't really sniff any offensive success for the rest of the game. So I mean, they played well and they did exactly what they were supposed to do against a lesser opponent which I think is the best thing I could say about it. So, you know, I, I don't know that – I mean, you just had nothing – you'd have a pulse at quarterback, so it's you, you turn them into one-dimensional, and then when you try to put the ball in the air, you, you can't hit the broad side of a barn with it. So I don't know how to accurately gauge that. Right, you know, given the circumstance, right? So, and I, and I agree with you. And I, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, I don't think it's taking anything away from the guys necessarily. I mean, they made the plays. I, I was, I know personally, Alex, I was so happy to see a guy like R.J. Roderick make a play because it's it's been a tough season for him. It's been a tough season for the South Carolina safeties, um, without a doubt. So to see him make a play, and then obviously T.J. Brunson being a senior, but I agree with you for sure in that you know. Again, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, we didn't learn anything. We didn't learn anything new from this. No. You kind of, as a defense, you sort of did what you should have done. Um, you know, the only guy that really did anything of significance for Vanderbilt, Keyshawn Vaughn, the running back, he had 20 carries for 87 yards. And, I mean, he's a guy that I expected to get his yards. But, I mean, literally your passing leader for Vanderbilt. Riley Neal went three for four for 46 yards and one touchdown. I mean, yep. and then he was knocked out. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, is this – 
not a whole lot beyond that. I mean, it's honestly crazy when you look at the stats. Deuce Wallace went 8 of 17 for 30 yards and two picks. I mean, that is – that's that's pretty bad. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty bad. Good. Yeah, so uh, – but, no, I mean, I hope South Carolina's defense can find some consistency from it. I hope you can carry it into the game with App State because – you know, App State is a much better team, but I think this is an interesting game, and not to get too far ahead of myself, but it's an interesting game in the sense that, you know, South Carolina is only a four-point favorite, and I've been talking about, you know, the game makes me nervous. Like, I give, I'm going to give App State a ton of credit this week. But, I mean, if you ask any South Carolina fan, this is a game you have to win. I mean, this is, it's a game you should win. So, we'll move ahead, Alex, just kind of into the overall, you know, give our outlook for the season, kind of the bowl outlook, the bowl picture, if you will, if that's even a possibility right now in your opinion. But, you know, you had to have this game. You got it. You get to four and five. You know what you have to do to get to a bowl. You got to win two of your last three. And one of those three is Clemson. So, really, you've got to beat App State, if nothing else. And then you've got to probably beat Texas A&M to get to a bowl. But the App State game feels like a game to me. And I'm not ready to make a proclamation that South Carolina is going to win the next two in a row. You know, I'm not even sure what my prediction will be for Saturday. But either way, it's a game you have to win. It's a game, realistically, as a program, I don't think you can justify. It'd be the same thing if you lost to Vanderbilt. Like, you just can't justify you're on the right path as a program if you lose this game. So, when you take a look, I mean, again, you get to four and five on the year. What does it really mean to beat Vanderbilt? I don't know. But has anything changed for you in regards to, you know, thinking this team is going to be bowl eligible? I know App State lost to Georgia Southern last week, which was really surprising. Uh, again, South Carolina is still only a four-point favorite, which what does that really mean? I don't know. But what is your take on right now if South Carolina, the, the prospects, I guess, of them getting to a bowl game? I would say it's not in the cards. I think it's that's fair. Point. And I think that's I mean, fair. I mean, I think that's very fair. I mean, I'm, you know, it's, I don't think that's like a crazy bowl take, I'll be honest with you, because, I mean, you have to go well, to College I mean, Station, you play Clemson, you know, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, it's doable, but it's going to be tough. South Carolina's going to have to play its best football for four quarters the next three weeks, in my opinion, to get there. I mean, it's just – you just oh, – you have to. Yeah, no, we, we get, you got to come out and play like we played against Georgia on defense for three straight weeks against three tough opponents. And, you know, I don't even know that – I mean, I would like to think that App State would be a good kind of test to see kind of – where we are before we go to College Station. I haven't really seen a ton of them this year. And, you know, they lose to Georgia Southern. And kind of looking at the teams that they've played here, you know, to get to that 7-0 number that they were at. I mean, you're talking about East Tennessee, Charlotte. They beat North Carolina at North Carolina, which – Which we lost to. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, well, we lost to. Right. Uh, you know, they beat Coastal, Louisiana, Louisiana Monroe, and South Alabama. So, I don't – I mean, they're they're beating these teams handily, so I guess we'll see kind of what they walk in to Carolina with. But yeah, you know, that's definitely a game we should win because you know on paper we have better athletes. But and I just look at it like we're the University of South Carolina. They're Appalachian State. I mean, it's no disrespect to the Mountaineers, but that is just you know you're if you if you want to be. You know, you beat your chest. Everybody does about being a big-time SEC program, blah, blah, blah. Well, big-time SEC programs don't lose to Sunbelt teams. They just don't. It just doesn't happen. No. It shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that. Um, but so, you know, looking at it, and, and it may just be, you know, again, I, I don't feel like we learned anything from this weekend. So, you know, my last conscious memory 
of watching our defense play is just getting absolutely shredded to pieces by Jarrett Garantano and whoever Tennessee's third team quarterback is. And, you know, Kellen Mond is discernibly better than both of them, as is Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, App State gets us to five wins on the year, and then you got to yep. beat A&M or Clemson with much better talent than the, last, the two teams are going to play prior to them. Right. So, it's, it's – I mean, if, if you were asking me to put, like, a substantial amount of money on it right now, I would say no. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, I think realistically right now this team finishes five and seven. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Um, you know, you, you, the old coach mantra, you take it one game at a time and every week is a season, and I know they're locked in on App State right now, and I certainly think this is a game that you can win at home at night. You are favored to win either way. Um, you know, get to five and five, and then from there, I mean, it's really just, again, like you were saying, I mean, go play your best ball for four quarters and see what happens, and I feel like that'll be probably be, it'll be more likely for sure when you go to College Station than when you play Clemson at home. So you better, to me, you better beat the Aggies if you're going to get the six wins. But uh, no, it should be interesting, man. Um, you know, again, it, this is this team is just it makes your head hurt thinking about them. It, to be, to be honest, it does. It's, it, it really, really does. You know, I'm 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 just from the gambling perspective. I'm picking the under one week. I'm picking the over the next. I'm losing every single time. It's like I, I don't know what to think of this team, but. Uh, it should be a lot of fun either way. And, you know, obviously with the Mountaineers coming to town, I know a lot of fans are – it should be a good crowd. It should be a good crowd. I know a lot of fans are nervous. I, I'm a little I'm a little nervous about it. But, you know, if nothing else, like we said, you did what you had to do. You beat the Vanderbilt Commodores. On you go. Get to four and five. And hopefully, hopefully, because I, I really think getting to a bowl game is something that needs to happen this year. I mean, if, if you're going to have a bad year, at least make a bowl. Like, I don't care if it's the worst bowl you go to. But once you fall below that Mendoza line, you know, it's going to get harder to recruit. You know, there are, we got a lot of young guys that need those extra practices. I mean, I mean, I, I can ask you, Alex, you're a guy that you've been through that. You've been through the whole bowl practices. And, you know, you were in the uh, the 2016 that, what, beat Houston in the Liberty Bowl. Yep. I mean, talk about the advantages of going to a bowl game. I mean, those extra practices, I feel like, are not valued nearly as much as they should be. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, it's actually funny you say that um, because, like, in 2006, you know, we were all – we beat Clemson last game of the year. So, like, we're all excited to go to the Liberty Bowl. And, you know, having those extra practice, you know, going to Memphis, uh, getting those extra practices in. I mean, you're tired. It's – you know, you've been doing this since August, hitting the same people, hanging out with the same guys. So everybody's, like, starting to wear on you. But, I mean, the – invaluable aspect of it is you do you get those extra practices and you get your young guys more reps more touches get them more comfortable with everything that's going on for the following season but you know like really like in 2007 you know when we started off six and one and then all of a sudden you end up six and six at the end of the year possibly and you know you're kind of on that bowl bubble which is crazy to think back that like 12 years ago if you went six and six you weren't guaranteed a bowl game and now like five and seven teams are getting yeah. in oh, yeah. but you know we were you know we, we i would you know there was a lot of things on that 017 that probably you know most of the guys there wouldn't have wanted to go to a bowl game at that point right um just because things had gone so sideways and it was such a sour taste in everybody's mouth um and so you know a lot of it's going to have to do with you know, the mental makeup of the team, kind of where they are. You know, that's something I, I don't have any information on. They seem like they're 
in good spirits, at least, right. um, from what I can tell in interviews and, you know, really, you know, for, you know, perfect examples, you know, for somebody like a Brian Edwards or a Rico Dowdle or Javon Kinlaw or, you know, any other host of seniors that we've got on that team to, you know, give them that reward to go, you know, to a place they've never been before, you know, get some, you know, sweatshirts and, you know, bowl gifts and, you know, all the other ancillary benefits that come with that kind of stuff. And, you know, you get to play one more game in the uniform, I think is important. And I think, you know, obviously those guys have earned it at this point. And, you know, I, I hope they get there. And it's just, it's a tough slate coming down the stretch to kind of get you there. But I mean, to your point, you know, the extra practices are huge for the younger guys. And I think for the seniors, it's what you work for and what you deserve. For sure. Yeah, I'm definitely the seniors. And I'm thinking like guy like just Ryan Holinsky, as many snaps as you can get him, as many live game reps as he can get, the more the merrier. It's just bring his development yeah. along and get ready for the 2020 season, if nothing else. So, um, Alex, I mean, unless he's actually hurt, in which case he needs to go sit down. Right, right, right. For sure. No, for sure. For, we're, all assumptions, he's healthy. He looked healthy Saturday. Yeah. Granted, he didn't throw the ball past he 20 yards past the line of scrimmage. But either way, it is what it is. Again, South Carolina gets a 24-7 win. We'll look forward to App State. Alex, appreciate you taking the time, man. And I'm sure we'll have another riveting conversation after South Carolina hopefully secures the win next Saturday and gets the 5-5 five and five over on the year. Appreciate it as always, man. Oh, yeah. Hey, babe, real quick before we jump off, what's your bold mm-hmm. prediction? Do you think we go? I think we're five and seven. I, I, I've been, I'll be honest. I've been nervous about the the A and M game since before the season, really. And I know A and M has not had the type of season it expected. Sort of similar to South Carolina, but you know, I, going to College Station at night, really tough place to play. You know, South Carolina's never beaten Texas A and M. Same streak as Kentucky, lost five in a row. So I'm predicting five and seven. If you had to put gun to head right now, but. You know what, this this season, Alex, honestly, has been such a crazy year. And maybe this is just the year we just break all these streaks. I, I don't really know because we broke, you know, we broke the losing streak to Kentucky. We broke the lo- losing streak to Georgia. Heck, we broke a winning streak to Tennessee. We'd won three in a row. Then we lose. I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is the year to break all streaks and we go to College Station and we, we break the five-game losing streak and we beat A&M and we get to six wins. But, you know, I – it's hard right now to predict because you just don't know what this team's going to give you. You just don't know. I mean, we, we just – like you were saying, I mean, it's hard to have faith in a defense that got shredded by Jarrett Garantano. And, I mean, Kellen Mond is a lot better than Jarrett Garantano, at least in my opinion. So, yeah, you know, and, and, and like I've told people before, I'm not getting my hopes up for the Clemson game. I, I hate to say that, but I, I'm just – I'm realistic <laughs> about it. They have a bunch of talent. I know they've played like crap all year. I know Trevor Lawrence has looked bad all year. But Clemson will be ready. They will be ready to play. They'll be ready to go. They'll be ready to play their best game. And, you know, maybe crazier things have happened. I mean, South Carolina beat Georgia on the road. So, it's not – I guess maybe it's not out of the question. But I'm not going to put all my eggs in that basket and say, well, if you don't beat A&M, it's fine. We'll go beat Clemson. It's, you know, that's a tough one. So, right now I've got five and seven. I mean, I think it's doable. The path is there. And honestly, I would give major, major kudos if this team, this coaching staff can rally around each other and get the six wins because when you really take a step back, and I know, you know, we've been critical and we'll continue to be where it's warranted, but you lose the opener, you lose your starting quarterback for the entire season, you have whatever else drama happen. I mean, if this team can get to six and six, in my opinion, Alex, it's it's a pretty damn good year with everything that's happened. Um 
And if you, I mean, because if you told me before the season that South Carolina would lose to North Carolina, I thought this would be a four and eight team. No question. I thought this, and I mean, I guess technically it still could be, but I, I would, I would have hundred percent guaranteed. Yeah. There's no way this team gets to a bowl. So if they can do that, it'd be a major tip of the cap and I'd be giving major kudos out for sure. I, I think that'd be, honestly, I think they'd be a good year with everything considered. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, yes, that's totally fair. Yeah. So the path is there. We will see, but first things first, you got to beat App State. So we'll, uh, yeah. Looking forward to it, definitely, man. I'll, like I said, as always, appreciate. It. We'll talk about it next week, and again, I'm, I'm sure, especially depending on what happens, we will have a lot to discuss, my friend. Oh yeah, that most definitely. So, <laughs> hopefully, right, well, hopefully, we've learned something a little bit more substantial exactly. than we did this past weekend. Exactly, exactly. Well, appreciate you as always, man. For Alex McGrath, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys, you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show. Grow up.